this month, Ask the Therapist is going weekly as I introduce you to my new Therapist Corner Substack community, a space for therapists to get together and discover how the business of therapy can thrive. Hello and welcome to the third episode in the Substack series for the Community Therapist Corner on Substack here on Ask the Therapist. In the first episode, you got to know more about me and Sophie and the creation of Therapist Corner. We then introduced you to the secret source behind us making the decision to build a community for therapists in private practice on Substack, a renowned expert in the world of content creation and social media, Sarah Tasker, who shared her expertise about Substack and how it could be used by therapists in their private practice. Today, we are sharing an exclusive behind-the-scenes Q&A session from Therapist Corner. You'll get a taste of what we're all about, the energy, the amazing conversations that are happening within the community. We host a monthly quickfire Q&A session for all our paid subscribers where you can ask your private practice questions. The recordings are then shared as a podcast episode on the platform so you can listen back if you can't make it live. For founding members who work with us, they are a smaller group, it's more intensive, we do monthly power hours there for an hour with me and Sophie and we just go more in depth but this Q&A is going to give you a real taster for what we're all about. I hope you enjoy the episode. So everybody that's on the call today I am just sending out um, the next thing that we've got going on is as from June it's kind of we're focusing more on the pay subscribers that lots of people have joined us over this last month. And on Wednesday, the 31st, we are doing um, a content planning session where I'm going to walk you through exactly what I do to plan a month's social media content. And you get the free um, template to download, which, you know, you don't have to join the session. Um, You can just download it and get to work on it, or I can show you how I use it to try and simplify stuff. So I'm sending out that post now, but I'll put a link to it in the chat. But Who would like to start? You can either ask your questions or um, pop it in the chat, whichever you would prefer, because I know that some people don't want to kind of come on and speak, which is fine. Hi, I'm Marcus. Hi, nice to meet you, Sarah and Sophie and everybody else. (laughs) Hi, Marcus. Lovely to meet you both. Yeah, so I've just been following you guys for a couple of months and my friend Shamim's there somewhere. We've (laughs) been practicing for roughly about five years. But yeah, I think just the energy that you both give me is just like excited me like, right, I need to go in this direction now. I'm ready to go private. Wow. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so start. I work for the NHS two days a week and um, slowly reduce my hours over like the last four years. And then I also do one day private and see insurance referrals. But it's just now just taking that next step just to actually get the referrals like you said through self-referrals. So it's just, just the question is how many referrals do you get? Do you know, after six months, you said like, it takes roughly six months. How long does it take to get to that step? And how many did you see roughly around that period? Oh, God. I Well, I launched my website. Now, there's. have you got your own website up and running? No, but this is the thing. I need to have a chat with you guys to get that sorted out. Yes, that's a, yeah, that's... so to do that, that she, she does a th- free 30-minute kind of pocket site and go through all the options. So she'll show you pocket site. That's the route you want to go down. But if um, you need to buy a domain name, Mm-hmm. of what you want to call your business, get the .co.uk and .com. And then if Sophie was going to do it for you or whoever you choose, get them to put a coming now page up. 
that starts building your authority. So Google starts indicate. I sound like a website designer. <laughs> <laughs> Partly you are. <laughs> you got skills now. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I'm leaving you to it now. <laughs> no, Google keeps start indicate indexing your website and getting to know it. So that means that you can shave off some of this time so just get a coming soon page if you want to be really cool about this start an email list okay that is i mean we'll be talking about this more but you need to get an email list up i would use mail alight don't use mailchimp because it's just a bit clunky Mm -hmm. and um, it's free for your first hundred subscribers so i would say coming soon this website this website's coming soon Give me your email address. You're going to be the first to know that it's going live. Ah, good stuff. That's a good, a good one. Yeah. And, and share it. Get sharing it. Get everybody sharing mm-hmm. it out there and start slow because an email list is, takes such a lot, long time to build mm-hmm. up. But then you can start like two months before you lo- launch your website, you can start emailing people and saying it's coming soon. Yeah, good. Creating that energy around it. Yeah, generating excitement into it like that. We're prepared to go and and I'm ready to accept those referrals. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what we've done this this month. That's what we've been doing. We've been launching. So we've kind of done these free Q&As and there's been a lot more posts and stuff and created mm-hmm. that energy. So I didn't do that because I didn't know that at the time. Mm-hmm. So from a cold start, it was three months. I got two phone calls on the first day and was like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I was like, oh my God, I'm a business person. (laughs) Probably if I was going to do go back, I didn't know much about Google Ads, but I probably would have done Google Ads because I would have, you know, I did start doing referral agencies. Mm -hmm. They take a a few months as well to get used to you and get Mm -hmm. referrals coming. So apply to them early if you want to work with them. But um, I would put some money on Google Ads and Google Ads does give the return, I feel. Mm-hmm. Do you, so, yeah, I mean, I think uh, Google Ads definitely works. I'd make sure, obviously, you've got your website um, up and running before you do that. So you've got somewhere to kind of point them that's going to give people kind of the information. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, Mox, I'd, I'd also I'd expand it a little bit further. So exactly what Sarah said in terms of, you know, get a domain name, get kind of a coming soon page there, just so you're at least, you know, you're on the map. Um, is is the best thing to do, but I'd also set up a um, a Google business profile. Now, um, now I do that now. Yeah. Um, and I would also be tempted to pick one of the social media platforms um, to work on. So I would probably depends where your your clients are going to be, but something mm-hmm. like Instagram, LinkedIn, or a Facebook page, etc because those will all generate authority for your website, not a huge amount, but they all add towards that kind of authority of of your business being open and valid. You know, you've got a website there, you've got a Facebook page, you've got a Google business profile. But the great thing about a Google business profile is if you do a search for a therapist, you'll see the search results come up. Mm-hmm. The top half of the page will show you um, paid results, so Google paid ads, as, as mm-hmm. Sarah said. So you'll get that at the top half. And then just slightly below that, but still in that above the fold position, 
still in people's kind of eye line at the top of the page is the is the local map. So you'll see a map with all these business um, locations on it. And that's Google Business Profile. So the real advantage of that is that very often that will rank you higher up the page or appear higher up the page than your website. Even if you're number one for that particular search term, you're still going to be low. You'll be below the local map. Um, so really getting into Google Business Profile can really put you quite quickly high up on that uh, on the initial kind of search page. Um, so definitely do that as well. Excellent. Thank you, guys. So say, for example, if somebody just typed like CBT Therapist London, where I'm based, would that then just drag up or pull up like myself or any other CBT therapist within that locality? It, that it will. It it, it's going to be personalized to the person that is putting in the search term. What Google will do is it'll look at the, the previous searches that that person has made, the, the where that person is located, et cetera. So it makes all these decisions about what results it's going to show that person. Um, and then if somebody put in CBT Therapist London, it will show them a set of search results that Google believes are the best authority sites um, for that particular search term in that locality as well. So you can't really control that. That's entirely up to Google to make that decision. And it makes that decision on a whole different variety of signals. One of them being how closely the particular search term matches up with your website and also how much authority your website has got as well, which, as I said before, it will be taken from various different things, how much content you've got on, what other websites are linking to your website as well that have got a high authority. So as an example, if you had, um, which would be kind of gold, really, if you had the NHS linking to your website, then ooh, that's great <laughs> because obviously the NHS yeah. website authority is going to be off the scale um, and it's going to be, oh gosh, well, this NHS recommends markers here for CBT mm -hmm. therapy. That's that's good enough for us. Let's Let's put him up at the top there. So that's how it'll decide what results it will show. Eventually, there'll be a cutoff point. It won't go on endless. There'll be a point mm -hmm. where it says, okay, I've gone to about 100 or so pages here. There's, there's nothing more. So to get onto that top page, you can do everything that you can do to get your authority up. But at the end of the day, Google's going to make that decision as to whether you appear there mm -hmm. or not, which is why when companies say, I'll get you to number one, it's it's nonsense. There is there is no so you can do so many things, but it's entirely down to Google as to how that actually happens. Perfect. Thank you. Appreciate that. One thing that we come across sometimes is that people on their laptop will Google their business or their name, and they appear like they're at the top of Google, and that <laughs> that is just because it's you. Yeah. <laughs> I've got fans. Yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> made it. And they say, why am I not? Because I'm ranking really high, why I'm not getting referrals. So you have to use the incognito or the private window okay. on Chrome. And that gives you a blank canvas. Then you, and you need to get, once you're on the page one of Google, you'll start getting referrals. And it's, um, it's like, you'll get six in one day, none for two weeks, mm -hmm. three. I'll be really busy. You'll be really quiet. Makes no sense. It's mm -hmm. random. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Just one more question, guys. If you don't, I don't want to take up everyone's the time for, um, would you recommend doing like a short bio video, say for example on Instagram or on the website 
the landing page just so somebody gets a good feel as to what I'm like and what I can offer basically okay. yeah you've got yeah. the key thing about you've got to help people get to know you mm. get to like you and get to trust you video yeah. is massive for that if you've got the confidence and stuff because I was like a wooden thing for a while for about five years but you know you've got a lovely warm personality <laughs> you want the clients that are attracted to you to come to you don't you so absolutely yeah video is is king that will will really change things for you I know people do videos on the therapy and um, psychology today yeah so many people don't can't do video so if you can do video your poles apart yeah Stuff. Thank you. No, definitely, that's really good. And if you're putting, if it's a video that's also present on YouTube, don't forget YouTube is a search oh, yeah. engine as well. So that's that's helpful. So mm-hmm. definitely, um, video. It's like it's like catnip. Definitely do that. Yeah. Yes, okay. I need to book it with you guys. <laughs> I need a one to one. Don't book in with me for video training anyway. Don't do that. We're all nervous when it comes to video. I'm not Sarah's bag. <laughs> me a while to get bloody used to it I tell you hi um can I ask a quick question I ask you lots of lots of stuff already Sarah hi everybody I'm Sheena so I have recently just obviously gone more into my uh niece um which has just been brilliant I don't know why it's taken me so long to do it but it's been so that's what that I've mentioned to you on every single q and I'm like, <laughs> go and have a look at the pain therapist because she said, oh, and your Instagram followers, I mean, I looked at them the other day. I was just like, oh my gosh, it's, it's just gone up hugely. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like in the realms of like, like thousands, but it's gone up massively. And which surprised me that I've gone from, I thought being really broad and having, you know, lots of things to talk about. Actually, I had, I didn't know what to talk about because it was too much to talk about. Whereas actually getting into my niche has found has been really um, helpful because I've actually got more to talk about. And doing videos as well. It's still um, cringy, isn't it, really? But I'm starting to get a little bit used to it. But my question is to how you rate things like Psychology Today and Counselling Directory for advertising purposes or getting referrals. So you have to pay for those as well, which, you know, I'm not a big fan of that. But if it's if it will bring well, in... You think if you think you know if you want to earn fifty thousand from your website each year, you've got to invest a percentage of that into your website. So you either with marketing, you either invest financially or with your time. There are yeah. only two ways. So you're either doing loads and loads of content and blogging and videos, videos being the top thing, or you have to put some money into it. The thing with counselling directory, Sophie will correct me if you if I'm wrong. There are site that has good authority and they link to your website and so do psychology uh, today and psychology today generally have a six month try me out for free I did that but I had that I've got a waiting list so probably and I didn't put any effort into it to be fair so I I got one client but um I just tried it out because everybody was doing mm, it yeah I, I did use them and I used to use counselling directory. So it's a number of years ago. It used to pay for itself. So I used to, it used to cover its costs. So it was, you know, it's better than working for referral agencies because I get paid more. So, yeah. 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 I want to go less with agencies. So I've, I've obviously registered with a few different agencies and it's good for a bit of guaranteed income. But then I don't want that as my long term plan. Is to have, right, that's £45 an hour, as you can earn £100 an hour. 
working exactly. for seven, pay £20 of that to counselling directory per month. It's kind of, it's really... Yeah, so you think it's it's a worthy, like, counsel, I'm not a stand-up for counselling directory, I'm psychology today, I've got that the free trial thing, but counselling directory is not one, but I was looking at that one as doing that one as well. I was thinking if I could spend a bit of money doing that, would you say that was something that would be a, a good step to do? It paid for itself. What would you say, Sophie, to that? Or am I right in thinking that that's like a God got good authority, so would direct people, or should she put that money into Google Ads? I think the, the basic thing to say, you know, just uh, Sheena, is you can do what you do now might not be what you do in in six months time so nothing's nothing signed sealed and delivered with it you have to experiment and try different things that are going to work mm. for you and your business and your and your particular client as well clients as well so yep sarah's right you are going to get some authority from those websites linking to your website the other thing is on your website um i would always recommend that you have some level of analytics on it so you can actually see where people are coming from. Yeah. Because then you you know if it's working. You know if you look at, okay, where is, you know, where are people coming from that are coming from my website? And if you can see it's all organic search, you know, it's all from the search results, um, then that's that's great. If you can see they're coming direct from counselling directory or whatever the other professional directories are, then you can start to attribute some value to the cost you're putting in. Yeah. If you, if you can't see that, then you you don't you don't know where you, you're just making a wild guess as to as mm. to where people might be coming from, and your sense is they're not coming from there. You want to get it in in hard and fact kind of data. So my view would be yes, definitely it's worthwhile giving it a go, doing initial investment, making sure you've got the ability to analyse the results, baseline where you are at the moment on your website. And then start to analyse the results as to, you know, where people are coming from in, you know, three to four months time and see if the counselling directory or those other professional directories are quite, quite high up on the list. It varies. I see some websites where there's a lot coming from those type of directories and not a lot coming from organic search. And then over time, it starts to switch around as you start to get more authority. Um, you'll start to see the organic search kind of um, Uh come up higher. And then you might find, okay, well, I'm actually busy enough. I'm getting, I can see I'm getting everybody from the organic search here. Perhaps I can start to drop off one of these directories as well. So I wouldn't dismiss anything at this point. I give them all a go, but make sure you can measure them. That's, that's the key thing. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely want to move away from um, agency referrals and things like that. I want, want, as most people probably want more self referrals. Um, so that yeah yeah that's that really makes sense thanks and then the google ads i think i haven't done so yeah i'd always recommend with um i was talking to sarah about it the other day is that you you know a bit about it before you start to get an agency to do ads for you or even obviously do it yourself you would need to know about it but understand it before you make a decision to farm it out to somebody else um, that's where we've seen people get really ripped off with SEO and ads. And we were thinking, how could people learn about it? But I think Udemy, if you've not come across mm. Udemy, calls training. I looked at that the other day when you said about um, Google Drive, Google Documents and stuff. Like you just did a Udemy course on how to do Google Drive. Mm. I thought, great. So I looked at it. There's loads of stuff on there. No, it's like anything tech you want to learn, go to Udemy, pay a tenner. There'll be somebody yeah. there yeah 
yeah good good thank you very much but how's that spelled guys the udemy is it udi u-d-e-m-y udemy it used to have a bad kind of um reputation but it's it's changed yeah, a lot thanks. and you get the so that you'll go on and you'll do a search for like kind of um say google ads or something like that and you'll get lots of lots of courses coming up you have to kind of filter through those and and look at the reviews of some of them um and also listen to some of the um the trial kind of um snapshots that they give you as well so they give you like an intro one and then you'll give give you a snapshot of some of the later courses that they do. Play each of those and see if they um, if you kind of gel with the instructor um, and also if, you know, if what they're saying makes sense as well. And if the reviews are good and when you've peeked at some of the sample videos, they all look good, then, yeah, go go for those. But you'll get a lot you need to go through. But there are some there are some very good ones in there. Um, and they go on sale all the time. So don't pay the 50, 70 pounds or whatever it is. Wait till they go on sale and you'll get them for, I don't know, twelve ninety nine or nine ninety nine. And it's well worth that kind of investment just to get your mind around it. And then you can be more efficient when you're working with an agency over Google Ads um, or working with someone over kind of, you know, just sort of managing sort of documents and things like that. It's, it's just really helpful. And it was, I mean, if it was a platform, I'm, I'm kind of moving away from that now because probably because we're doing this, but I, you know, add up how many people have taken the course that paid £10 as well. They are making a lot of money. You know, if you're thinking ever in the future of putting a course online in pain, like you do pain management. Mm, yeah. Because they, um, they advertise the course for you. And then yeah. It's quite a lot of work. But it's interesting because they've got a big audience, massive audience. It's really growing. Yeah. So you just think, oh, I'll get a tenner for a course. But if, you know. You think, oh, how do they make a profit out of that? And then you look at the numbers yeah. and you think, oh, See how many that's how they make a profit out of that. Yeah. <laughs> bizarre things like tarot card reading and all yeah. sorts. <laughs> yeah. Killing it. <laughs> I'll have a look tonight. <laughs> so do they actually? So, Thank if you. we wanted a course, could they create that and put that on their platform? Is that what? What, what you think? do is you would go onto Zoom, record little ten-minute videos. You upload that to Udemy um, with a brief description of what the course is. They've got yeah. they will train you on how to do it. You yeah. upload it, sell it for a tenner, and they will put that out to lots of people. That's really good. Because we've been thinking about this, Shamima and I, about doing courses. I mean, you're getting more, aren't you? Like, the yeah. ten, like you said, for a tenner, it's nothing, is it? Most people can. So it's the volume. It's the volume yeah, that you I get. Think that. Yeah, wow. yeah. Food and then thought, you, can that, you can advertise that on your um, website, so you can send yeah. Udemy will send traffic to your website. Build up. Honestly, mm. there are courses on how to do a Udemy course. This for... is fantastic. <laughs> no, who needs? Like, and it goes to the point of niching down as well because it means you you know you're automatically okay you know machine a kind of the pain management it's like okay well that's what i do a course on and there's always going to be the demand there's never going to be enough therapists for the people that need to see you guys so there are always going to be these kind of shortcuts that people are going to want to take and it's only it's only it's only growing as a therapist, there's um there's a level of people that are quite nervous about coming to therapy. 
you know, and it gives them a way in that you can say, this is normal. Loads of people struggle with it. You're a, they can get to know therapists, learn how the lang. you know, it's kind of like a step. If you're not ready to, for therapy. It's a step before that, isn't it? And better information needs to be out there. And therapists are perfect to share it. And it's another referral source. They, you know, they watch the course and then think, oh, I, you know, I want to go and see Sheena. I'll, I'll, I'll follow over to a website and book in. So, um, so it works all, all round. So, can I ask Sheena a question? Have you actually filmed already, Sheena, like a pay management sort of video and put it on there? No, not on the on the Udemy course. No, I've just yeah. done a um, pay management for therapists course mm-hmm. um, with Sarah. Um, only in April it was. That was the first time. That's kind of the area that I want to start getting into a bit more because I've been doing it for like quite like fifteen years, and I think doing one-to-one work for so many years. I, I wanted to expand it a bit and do courses and something a bit different, um, and that's why I started doing that. But yeah, I've just written some notes about creating the course, like I said, for those people who aren't quite ready to access therapy, which might be really helpful for my client group. But yeah, I've not done a, a Udemy type course yet, but definitely something I'll, I think I'll have a think about. All these ideas we have, we just need more time now, don't we? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> time is key. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for sharing, Jean. Oh, no, you're welcome. Uh, I think we've got a question um, just in the in the chat. What are some of the benefits of doing limited company instead of sole trader? The benefits of doing limited company are that um, you do pay a little less tax, but it's a bit more complicated to work out, so you pay initially higher accountancy cost to get it set up a limited company is separate to you when you're a sole trader you are your business so if your business get if you get in debt they can could take your house and stuff like that whereas a limited company is a separate entity to you which means that if you run up debts the business would lose money the business is liable if complaints are made to you about you it's the business not you. So there is more legal protection. The other thing is if you're thinking about going into um, kind of courses or doing corporate workshops where the, you know, the rates are paying much higher, then a lot of bigger companies want to work with a limited company. So it gives you that professional edge. So, and you can put a business car through it. (laughs) It's not (laughs) (laughs) the basics. You can uh, have a Christmas do for £150. So we go out for a nice meal at Christmas. Good yes, idea. <laughs> Claim it. Yeah. <laughs> you can have a car lease and stuff like that. You can put me more through the business. I mean, you can do some of that with sole, sole traders. So you're more protected. But sole trade, it's more complicated. I mean, I, I mean, my accountant just sorts it out and just tells me what I need to pay and when. It's definitely, um, if you're doing a limited company, there's more complexities to it um, in terms of even just getting used to the idea that it's separate to you as well. And the money that goes into the business isn't isn't your money. It's it's the business's money. And making sure you draw that down kind of tax efficiently is, you know, you've got to get your mind. So there's a mindset change with it. Uh, I pay corporation tax, national insurance and personal tax. That's the difference you pay. Mm-hmm tax but it's at lower rates so it's kind of they say it's worth it when you hit about eighty thousand. generally your accountant comes to you and says now's time you'll to switch over but if you're kind of going to work 
do a business together. It's, you know, you can both be directors and stuff. I was given a quote, guys, for an accountant. So I work as a locum, so I'm paid through an umbrella company. And one of their accountants um, said it was about £1,000. Does that seem a bit too much? If they were set to set up a limited company, but he said part of it could be claimed back as tax, but I didn't know if it was a bit steep or if that was actually... For me, it was what well, you've done it as well, Sophie. What did you pay? Uh, it was a it was a long time ago, so I've I've gone from sole trader to limited back to sole trader. So um, I think that seems a bit steep to me, to be honest, mm. to set up oh. your business with Company's get House. Three, get three, go to three different accountants. Yeah, because on you know, and do that with any outsourcing you do. We I mm. recently worked with a therapist that had gone to an account, and they said you have to go limited, and she's just like once really small business she didn't need to at all and paid a couple of thousand I think so um you know and you think they're accountants they're going to be spot on they'll be fine you need to if you don't know anything about this you need to get three quotes in okay thank you for that. yeah so and when be- you want to get rid of it it's always a um a bit of a, a nightmare to get rid of it in terms of shutting it down they'll charge you for shutting it down as well and that can take about six six twelve months to get rid of it as well so I pay a monthly cost. I think it's eighty pounds a month to my accountant. I pay it annually, but um, I did. I wasn't paying that when. Um, that's just now. I've got it set up. I pay eighty pounds a month. But when I was a sole trader, I used to pay about three hundred pounds a year just for her to do my tax return. Mm, okay. So it's a bigger cost, but you can make. You know. I think money. if you're starting out, I'd always go sole trader. Um, see how you like it, see how it's working, and then move on to the limited company after that. If you think, okay, this is going to be for me, this is something for the long term, I'm going to go into the corporate world, as Sarah said, then it's it's worthwhile going down that route. Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't do it in initially because I think it's it's quite a bit of cost and, and mm. worry as well, because you have to just get your mind around it. So you've got enough to think about just getting your business going. So sole trader is just simpler from that point of view. You've just got, okay, Although, I'll just register. You know, I did a therapist spotlight with Rebecca. I think that's people can still watch that. And she left the NHS and set up straight away as a limited company because she wanted to employ her husband. He left mm-hmm. his job, he's her VA. And so, so she can pay herself and she pays him. And that keeps the tax really down. So, you know, everybody's circumstances are different. When you say sole trade, does that just mean that we do our tax returns ourselves? Sorry, Shabine. You can get a ta- account, do get an ta- accountant, unless you're really good with numbers. It's a, no. <laughs> it's a shitty long weekend if you're going to do a tax return. And, and if you make a mistake, the tax people come down on you. And it's so complicated. And I think I'm quite clever. I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> so um, it doesn't mean that you do it yourself. You still get an accountant to do it. You j- And you have to record everything that comes in you have to like if you see a client you raise an invoice and you might people don't want invoices but you have to give all the invoices or a record of the invoices to the accountant and all your receipts all your expenses for your business a record of everything that comes in and everything that goes out those records go to your accountant and they should talk you through it as well you should feel very supported Mm. be able to contact them when you need to Hi everyone, my name is Shamim. I work in the NHS and privately as an associate um, and I'm just starting up. I'm in the website developing phase. Um, Fantastic. <laughs> uh, well, I've got a website developer, so that makes it a lot easier, I think. 
Um, my question is, I guess, in relation to keeping patient notes. Now, I've just come across you guys through Marcus today, so I haven't had a chance to look into it. So this might be like asked and answered a million times. Um, but yeah, just like how you go about that, especially to begin with. Um, yeah. I would, I started doing paper notes and, but you have to keep them for seven years. And so I'm still getting rid of paper notes. It's a nightmare. But now there's some really good platforms. They are about £20 a month on average. There's um, Power Diary that is getting raved about at the moment, or there's Clinico or the one I use, which is WriteUp. It's brilliant. It's really good. It sends out the invoices as well. You can just print off um, how many invoices you've raised and send that to your accountant. You can get text reminders for clients, which will completely reduce your cancellations and no-shows as well. So, And they store it. It has to be GDPR compliant. That's the important thing. Yeah, I think that's what sort of makes it complicated, you know, just from like starting it from fresh uh, with a website developer. I mean, you can um, you can store um, your notes in um, kind of the Google Drive or Microsoft kind of OneDrive. You can you can do that as well. Each of those platforms is is secure, um, so I, there's no concerns about using those platforms from a GDPR point of view. If you wanted to move to a system, like I think. Uh, certainly what I've seen of write-up, it's very efficient in terms of what it does. But if you're looking at just keeping those um, regular monthly costs down and just want to try things out, then you can start with just kind of Google Drive, a sort of directory structure on there and just pop them in there. And that's that's fine. It's a, you know, each of those platforms would pass any kind of the GDPR tests as well. GDPR doesn't specify it doesn't say, oh, you must do X, Y, Z. It uses words like reasonable or, um, you know, kind of preferred kind of security measures, but it never tells you what they are. You've just got to use use your, your common sense about it as to what's going to be secure and do your due diligence on it. So a lot of those platforms have their own, they comply with um, international security standards as well. Um, so I think it's like ISO 9000. Um, most big companies do, but certainly the good likes of Google and Microsoft do. And those all have kind of security measures in them as well. And that would be considered reasonable for storing any of your documentation. Um, so that's that's an alternative as well. When you start taking notes, you need to register with the ICO as well. Information Commissioner's offices office, £35 a year. And um, you need to, in your therapy agreement, there's loads of, Sophie's put together a load of templates because GDPR is really, I think people sometimes think it's my thing. It's it's really her bag because of her background in security and banking and stuff. But she's put together a therapy contract. And within that, you have to say how you are going to work with somebody's data. So you have to be very clear so they can agree to it and they have to know how to access their notes and stuff and if you're going to take in personal information through your website you need a privacy policy on your website so that people know how you're going to use their data so there's lots of information on pocketsite.co.uk also check on your website the best thing would be that if somebody fills in a contact form on your website they'll very often say hey I've got you know I've got anxiety problems this and this has happened to me so they'll give away a lot of personal information actually in that contact form which is great in terms of you being able to sort of sort of triage what you what you can help them with 
But what you don't really want is that contact form information staying on your website. So you can check with your website developer and just ask that they ensure that any website contact forms that are used, any forms on your website, once those are completed, they are literally just sent to you on email and removed from the website. So from that point of view, the website isn't actually holding any sensitive information because all of the information just arrives and goes straight out. So it's literally just just kind of a um, a temporary housing whilst they fill in the form and then it's shooted off and that's all encrypted. Um, so from that point of view, you avoid any of the kind of concerns about holding sensitive data on a website. It goes to you in email. You've, you have a robust email platform that's secure. And then when you're dealing with notes, et cetera, that goes on to another robust, secure platform. And that way you're making sure that everything is is looked after and secure whatever part of the journey it's on. So I just pass it straight through your website. But talk to your developer, just say to your developer, you don't want to be storing contact uh, form information on the website. Can they make sure that's removed once it's been sent on to you? Mm-hmm. Okay, no, that's really, really helpful to know. I'm aware that the private company that I currently work for, they have sort of like Gmail accounts that they've set up under the company name. Uh, but they've also got this other website. I can't for the life of me remember what it's called, but it's like extra encrypted or something. So when the GP wants to. So with these contact forms, would it have to be on a website similar? I really can't remember the name of it. Sorry, right now. I know they ask you to pay for every 10 emails, but would sort of like a, a Gmail account that's sort of held securely within the company work as well? or? So you can. So if you are um, if you are transferring patient notes through um, any of the mail services, then I would always password protect them and I would send the password separately. It's kind of belt and braces, um, but that's one way you can use either Google Mail, not not their Gmail, not the info at gmail.com, but where you've got something like that's using um that's using the, the domain name, the business name, that's that's fine if it's actually been hosted on something like Microsoft or or Google then that that's okay to use those just password protect any sensitive information and send the password um through a text or something like that or just in separate email and that's just just belt and braces the other thing i think the thing you're referring to there is something like um proton mail which is encrypted mail services which goes that extra step you can use those the proton mail is very good and that i think they do a free offering as well if you're going to be sending around a lot of sensitive information quite frequently and you don't want to have the admin overhead of password protecting and sending the password, et cetera, and then somebody saying, I've not got the password, it's vanished into junk and all that kind of palaver that goes with it, you might want to consider something like setting up Proton Mail for sending that kind of um, sensitive information as well if you're doing it frequently. But otherwise, uh, simple password protection is, is fine. So either one of those two would work for like giving updates to GPs or getting referrals or psychiatrists yep. um, to and from. What about from the contact form straight into email? Would the, as you said, the, the it's a Gmail business account, isn't it? It's got at the company name.com, but it's through Gmail. Would that be okay? Or would that be- it, it is okay. I mean, you could say ideally you would want it to hit a secure email account at that point. But again, I think where you've got where there's kind of a lot of smoke and mirrors around GDPR, I think you've got to think where the ICO is coming from and things like this. And all they're really doing is saying, look, 
if you're handling sensitive data, please look after it carefully and think about what you're doing. And they're really after the the larger business companies that are paying are sort of uh, playing fast and loose with with data in terms of the way they're moving it around and using it. For a small business like any of us on on this call, all they really want to do is say, look, just look after it and take care of it and do things that are reasonable within um, within your practice. And it's not unreasonable to have a contact form um, going into a Gmail account, a business Gmail account, um, and sitting in there. That's that's not an unreasonable thing for a small, for a small practice. The form, you should have the privacy policy as well. So somebody could click in there and they are making a, you know, an informed decision then to put that information. And, you know. And, you and could- it's, it's secure in, in, in Google Mail. They're not, you know, I mean, these aren't, which is why I always advise people, you know, if you're getting your website hosted, they also offer email services as well and domain services. They offer all these different services. I always say for email, especially where you're a therapist, go with a robust email service because you're sending around that sensitive information. So always go with Google, you know, pay the five, six pounds a month and do the same with with Microsoft as well. They're, a sim- they're all similar prices, to be honest, but it's worthwhile doing that for your email don't go with, oh, I'll, I'll give you an email service for £2 a month or whatever it is they, they offer. Always separate it out. Um, but that's fine. That's that's not a problem. I, in my mind, anyway, that's not a problem at all. And certainly not from what I understand about the the intention behind GDPR and its, and its processes. No, that's fantastic. Thank you both. Just have one final question, if we have some time. Um, I didn't know what your experience has been in terms of getting recognised by insurers such as AXA, WPA, I'm with them with the other private company, but as I think you can get uh, recognized as an organization as well and get referral straight through there. I haven't done that. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't. I do get, I see, I don't work with Aviva anymore just because of of their lagging payments. So I do do some with AXA and it's the clients find me. So people kind of, they used to put me on a list and send my name out, but I didn't think I I didn't really want that because it's more paperwork working with AXA. I'd prefer self-funding clients, but some clients find me and say I'm I'm with AXA and that's fine. So always advertise if you're working with those. Always advertise on your website that you work with AXA and um, PWA and etc. And that's 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 pretty good to do that as well. Okay, no, that's really helpful. Thank you both. Hi, could I ask a question, please, Sarah? Um, I was just wondering how important um, accreditation is in terms of um, getting referrals, either through agencies or via the self-referral route. Because um, I, I keep up my NMC registration um, and I had provisional accreditation with um, BABCP. But because I'm trading other therapies as well, I just wasn't sure whether I wanted to pay for, you know, maintaining and updating kind of um, different accreditations in the long term. So I was just curious because I was thinking about just um, becoming accredited with BACP. Uh, just so that I can, you know, put something on my website to to show that I am accredited. I'm just curious as to whether you think it's worth accrediting with BABCP and and keeping that registration up to date. Just curious as to whether clients comment on that to you or whether you have any sense of it. No, I, I I supervise a couple of people that are in private practice, don't have accreditation. 
fully booked. Really? Oh, okay. Clients do not know. They don't know. So you can't put accredited. You can't use the BABCP logo. You know, you can't falsely misrepresent yourself, but you can say that you've done the diploma in CBT. And, you know, and clients are very, clients are very confused out there, which, you know, mm. so yes. helping them make an informed decision. Right. So it doesn't sound as though it's um, of huge importance um, to clients when they're looking. Rebecca Armstrong, who did a therapist spotlight with me, so she did the 30-minute interview. She's not accredited. CBT has oh. worked in the NHS, but she's she's not accredited. Yes. I think yeah. she's got to work towards it, just um, yeah. she wants to. but Yeah, but it's not essential before setting up your own private practice. That's good to hear because it's all these additional costs, isn't it? And working out what you are, what is kind of important to pay for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Counselor here who's just got her BACP, I can the accreditation, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but she was fully booked, you know, uh, she did that because she wanted to do the MDR training and you yeah. have to, to do that, but she was fully booked. Oh, okay. Oh, that's good to hear. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> Just to jump on to Claire's question a little bit, because one of my colleagues who I'm going to be running the practice with has gone off to Italy, so I don't think BABCP are going to keep her accredited any longer. How would it be, I don't know if you might know, but just in terms of like getting insurance as a therapist without the accreditation, um, do you know if anyone's had any issues with that? No, I don't. I've never asked Rebecca that, actually. I could ask and find out, but no, because you have to have um, professional indemnity to be, you know, you do, yeah. So they, I'm sure they would. You'd have to contact them. I don't know. I will find out and put it in the chat. No, that's a specific question. I just thought on the off chance you might you might be aware. One thing that I noticed the other day is I was looking at some of the insurance companies um, with a view to registering, and I think I came across um, a couple that um, asked for uh, accreditation, but I can't remember which ones they were, but I think they were asking for BABCP accreditation, which is different, I guess, because we're talking more about self-referral, attracting self-referrals here, aren't we? But are you aware of that, Sarah, at all, of any insurance companies that actually insist on up-to-date BABCP accreditation? Quite a few of them do. So uh, if it's work with referral companies, I think they are looking for full accreditation. That's my understanding. But I don't think all of them are. I'm not sure if all the EAPs are. I think that's a bit mixed. Oh, okay. Right. Sometimes people say I can't register with BUPA because I've not been qualified five years. But actually... You know, if you've got a professional background, then that counts as well. So I had a CBT therapist for five years when I went with Boopa. And their website linking to yours is good. I do maintain that. So, right. That's helpful to know. Thank you. Yeah, that's very interesting because we're coming up to four years qualified and then five years including um as a trainee. But that was a thing like you just said, Sarah, with Boopa, they expect this five years, but I didn't know that our previous mental health experience can contribute as that. Well, I, well, I kind of That's saw good. it as I was a nurse before and I put that down. That's how I approached yeah. it. Because your CBT is a specialism, isn't it? Yeah. So did you, because you had a core profession, I used to work as a support worker and work in homeless projects. Would they still account that or would it specifically have to be a core profession? No, I don't know. See, I took it for qualification and I just thought, well, that's my nurse. Yeah. 
medication. So, yeah. Yeah. I know sometimes they have stopped taking mm. on therapists, but I don't know where they're up to now. But it's useful to because their website links to yours. But another way, you know, to get good websites, like I've got the Compassionate Mind Foundation have shared some of my um, blog posts when I've written about compassion focused therapy. So they have some of their my blogs. They use them for the students there. Um, I did a blog post for um, the um, Australian Compassionate Mind equivalent. And and now those are big websites. So think about guest blogging places because you'll get a lot of traction from those just a quick question actually i was just thinking then in terms of referrals have you ever approached you know, like fire services or i don't know other organizations like gps that, to tap GPs, into the um yeah. i used to do a letter that i thought i was really got it nailed down doing this but it didn't work um, I used to, every client I'd see, I'd say to kind of keep your record, your health records, and I'll still do this. I'd just do, you know, if somebody wanted it, but I don't do it standard now. To keep your health records consistent, are you happy for me to let you know, your GP know that you've had six sessions with me and we worked on this? So like a discharge letter. And part of that was to kind of get my name out there, get the GPs knowing, but they refer to the NHS. They don't refer out. The only way you do start to get it and the only way really in my experience is that clients go back to their GP and enough of them go back and say, I saw Sarah and she was fab. So once you're established in an area, I think the fire service and the police, they use, um, they have in-house people or they tender that out. So, you know, on the police website, you can join, you know, they often recruit for counsellors and therapists. So I haven't done that. The, um, the, church pay for ministers and stuff to have private therapy so the church of westminster have sent me referrals um who else am i thinking of the army will pay privately as well but it's the it's the person that generally comes in the army just one more question actually just thinking then in terms of like niches like thinking about the niche and honing in on that would you ever mention like a community that you're part of i'm jewish so just part of my community because i know most jews tend to go for private therapy yeah um is there a way to i don't know mention that how would you go yeah, about that I, what do, I, I don't know just to tap I, into that stream i would yeah if you wanted to because i think the more you niche you don't you know the clearer yeah. you are about your marketing if you're trying to appeal to everybody you appeal to nobody if you mm. hit a market like sheena has had huge traction with mm. just flipping to being the pain therapist and honing in, in on that and i think the jewish community is a really interesting community because i'm live um i practice just quite near to hale so i had um, yeah. a <laughs> hale there's a, a big jewish community oh, and a couple of Jewish people came to me, they took everybody. And it was like, it was very within the community. So yeah, I think that would be really interesting. And yeah, yeah, because they built that trust with me and and Mm. shared that. Thank you for sharing. And there's nobody doing stuff like that. And I think we should be. This is it, because I did a post for for my synagogue. I live in London, but I'm a Manchester Jew originally, North Manchester Presswich. So um, I did a post and actually the rabbi was like, you know, you can actually put your name in the magazine each week if anyone wants therapy. There were some people that approached, so it's good for yeah. people to access support and to promote that um, within Absolutely. the community and outside. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think when we're niching as well, you know, there's lots to talk about. I'm I'm just writing about it at the moment that we're talking about your ideal client. But I think sometimes it's, you know, you need to widen out and think about the communities within which these clients live and so that we promote inclusion and stuff. But Absolutely. Yeah. One thing I suppose I wanted to mention that we get sometimes and that, you know, with websites and personal information that therapists will say, oh, I set up my website, cost me nothing each month as though it's a real bargain. And um, I think Wix and Squarespace, I think you do pay a monthly fee and a part of that they are updating. But, you know, each month, each every website platform releases security updates and patches and there is a level of maintenance that should be happening on every website so if you're not if you you know not kind of doing that it's a it's worrying yeah, so I'd, I'd always look for a maintenance um maintenance plan on your website i say if it's wix or squarespace that's fine because that's all part of the the package that they do but if you're going kind of um independent you do want to make sure there's that ongoing care and support specifically for software patches and security patches as well because there's lots of vulnerabilities out there on pieces of software you hear about it in the news all the time and I think we sometimes people can think oh well it's it's fine it's just a website and um you know it's not it's not you know there's not a lot on it etc but it still needs to be kept up to date um I had a client recently who came to me and and it's like I've you know I've not got any support on my website my contact form stopped working and the, you know, they've got nowhere to go with that. So, but if you have a support plan in place, you can go to that developer and you can ask them for some help on it. Um, but you do want to make sure that your website is kept up to date. That's all part of the GDPR stuff as well, which is making sure you're doing sensible things to look after the interactions you have with clients and where you're collecting data. So definitely, yeah, definitely look at doing that as well. There was a question from Angie, which is, um, do we know of any accountants good for small um, uh, for small businesses, healthcare businesses? I just use Carla Seed and it's S-E-E-D. She's been great with me, but she's quite strict, <laughs> quite firm. She's, she's what you need, Sarah. <laughs> I know, I know. So it's not fluffy, not a great website, but she gets the job done. You know. <laughs> And, um, she's strict <laughs> so that's why that's how I use who I use I don't know of any others I use a company called Brookson which they they just do my um my return um self-assessment return each year for me I find them quite good it's there's no it's no kind of personality involved I just send them the information and it arrives with um HMRC and and they let me know how much I need to pay and and that's it so they're they're quite good as well so thank you so much for everybody that's joined you. It's been fantastic. It's been thank really you. good. Yeah, it's been really, really good interaction. Some great questions as well. So yeah, no, thank you. Thank you so much, guys. It's been very insightful. I'm just wondering how I can contact you both just to get the ball rolling um, with a website okay. and have a chat. Pocketsite.co.uk. Yeah. So either email Sophie through through that or I'm sarahdreese.co.uk or uh, yeah, they're, the, they're both our websites. Fantastic. Lovely to hear from you and work with you. Okay. All Definitely. Right. Thank you so much, okay. guys. Appreciate it. Cheers. Bye. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Ask the Therapist. I'll be discussing all you've heard in this episode and more over in the Therapist Corner community on Substack. To join me there, just click on the link in the show notes. Until next time, take care of your mental well-being as you continue on the path to becoming the best version of yourself.